Hi y'all, John Alcorn, that one dude 2020, really the CEO and founder of the God Over Money Sports Network. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Cared you'd actually be here. Bat it off. Oh God! Stokely down the sideline. Can they catch him? Stokely. Wow! Touchdown! Blackwell stepping up and throwing deep down the far sideline. To the end zone, touchdown, Jacoby Jones! God cares for you on a bigger level than more than we could comprehend. No matter where the old the game is. Toss to White! No matter that game-winning touchdown, you don't get that job, they say no, I shall withdraw some of the world because the goal is to not be here on this earth forever. And what it looks like, give thanksgiving to God, because through faith, all things are possible. God is doing it for our favor. What is up, folks? Second ever episode God over Monday Sports Network. So mind you folks, this is kind of a different kind of format. So kind of before we start, I just want to say a little bit of, of a prayer though. Lord, I know this is a uh, been a crazy year and a half and meeting all these great people and I hope that I can be a blessing to them and blessing to other people. But thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. What we kind of do is like a, a prayer and kind of like a story kind of give people hope because there's a different format, folks. So 
the story we're talking about here is the woman at the well. And this is kind of a thing where there's a notion in like society now, right? Like in sports and we're like, where if you make a mistake, you can't be forgiven that you can't move on. And that type of notion that we want to do away with here. And that's kind of like where the story in the Bible, the woman, the well, people were looking at, Oh, you made a lot of mistakes. You're a sinner. We're all human. We all make mistakes. So I think everybody, despite your mistake, despite your regrets, you can be make, like, made new in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what other people think. I've made plenty of mistakes. I believe you. we could be a whole list of that. But I think kind of bringing it back is no matter your mistakes, no matter what you've done, you can give thanks to the Lord of hell for he is good, despite what it looks like, despite what people think. If I, Brian, if I care to give attention to what people think, I I would be quit. I almost quit a year ago. So I hope this is inspiring our people. But my man, Brian, thank you so much for coming on. How are we doing today? John, it is great to talk with you. Great to see you, my friend. How are you doing? You're doing great, man. It's been very busy, but I know for you, it has been very busy. So it's much appreciative to come on. I know you've had some uh, crazy hours for sure. Yeah, I have. I'm just grateful to to be given the opportunity to do what I love. And, and like you, it's so fun to channel our passions into even on the social media platforms just to get our thoughts out, our feelings out on different things that are happening. It, it, it's really sort of like where I get my life's purpose. And I know for you, it's probably the same. Definitely without a doubt. But no, I've uh, you were on a previous network I was with, but for the fans or people out there that are just now following the Scott of Mighty Sports Network, for people that may not know who you are, your story, how you got started, would you be able to tell them a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I went to college in North Carolina, and I worked as a sports producer for a local TV station there, and I would edit, I would film high school football games, high school basketball games, high school softball games, you know it, I was doing it, making 12 bucks an hour, working three days, and then going to college the other four days. And then I would basically do everything but go on the air. And there was all the equipment. So I said, why don't I start taping segments of me reporting or me being on the desk, put together a reel, send that out. And I would go back, John, and I watched that stuff early on. And I don't know how anybody ever would have hired me. I mean, it was, it was a clown show of all clown shows. It was so bad. It was cringeworthy. I don't even know if I could allow myself to go back and watch it other than for a good laugh and for some good embarrassment and, and some blushing. But somehow someone took a chance on me from that video. And I worked in Washington state. I was working for a TV station in Spokane covering Gonzaga and Washington state football and Gonzaga basketball. Then went to Memphis, worked for a TV station there and worked, covered the Grizzlies, covered SEC football, Memphis tiger football and basketball, Ole Miss football and then I came out here to L.A. where I'm from. I'm from Southern California and where we cross paths through social media and stuff. I had nothing, man. I had absolutely nothing. I, I was so close to giving up. But you know what I've noticed? And every time you're on the verge of giving up, for me, and, and maybe this is the same for you, John, there's like a sign. There's like I get an email or I just get this inspiration like just keep going. Just keep going. And I was literally about to just hang it up. I was in a deep state of despair and a deep state of depression with my career. And then I got an email from Fox Sports Radio that said, would you like to come 
and be an anchor for us and work work a couple of days a week. It's not full time. It's odd hours like you were talking about, but it's just those moments where John, it's like it never happens on our own when we want it to happen as far as our career and what morphs it, it what it morphs into. But it's just a lesson. It just never give up, man. Never give up because if you do there will be signs and you what uh, you know what as well there are also regrets if you give up and don't live your life with regrets without a doubt man and it, you're right don't give up i tell you this if i gave up last year we wouldn't have met and I, it's not an easy career folks and brian is an inspiration to others to where if you want to work in the industry there's a lot of late hours but i will tell you brian though I've been trying to get my refund on that Doug Peterson's book, but it just—it was so bad, it was so bad. I could—I had to get a refund on it. Cause I know you said when you're on MI6 that I um I get uh give it like a G minus or E minus or something. So uh, it's even worse than that. Worst book of all time here. But kind of speaking of how you say not giving up or like learning lessons, this past year has been crazy in this world's world. But what has been like your biggest lesson you learned? in your life and while working in the sports world since the pandemic? Since the pandemic has happened, gratitude, just being grateful. I was going for a jog like a couple of weeks ago and out in California, it's sort of like everything's happening, getting back to normal, but it's sort of like the last state, more or less, to get back to normal. You see Texas, you see other states that have pushed forward and moving more towards the normal sort of way of operating and living as far as businesses and quality of life is concerned. And California is like the caboose. But so it was a couple of weeks ago, John, and I, I, I walked by slash jog a little league baseball game, just a little league baseball game. Now, any normal year, I would not have paid attention. Like, I don't know anybody there. It's just another game. There's a soccer game over here on down that street. And there's a there's a park where they're playing basketball over there. But I couldn't help be captivated. It just I, I had no skin in the game here. I didn't know anybody who was playing in this little league game. But I just I just caught myself watching it and seeing the parents, seeing the kids. And I'm just thinking about how that had been taken away. And how I had taken those little moments of sporting events happening for granted and how watching just that, it it made me realize I will never take any of that for granted again. And so right first and foremost, John, it's all about the gratitude. You don't know what you miss until it's gone, which is very true. And you just gain this greater sense of appreciation for not just what we cover, pro sports and college sports, but any sports. Because the mental health, just seeing the smiles and the cheering from the parents, all of that, we don't really measure or know how to, for a lot of us, how important that is in a kid's life to be able to partake in sporting events, for the parents to be able to root on their kids and be in social situations like that. It's tremendous for a human's development and so when that's taken away when it comes back it's like i am hanging on to this for dear life and that's the difference 
without a doubt, man, appreciation. I think a lot of people like yourself and others just just watching a sports game. Like I imagine you, you had an interview with somebody, I think, earlier this year or late last year in tennis. I can't remember his name. And you kind of talked about, I guess, what was it like coming back? And I remember this guy's gratitude just coming back on the court. Those type of things are very important, which people would really appreciate. Because, man, appreciation just didn't realize what we have until it's gone. But Kyle McClurk is from the Mustang Sports Network. Good evening, gents. Great to see you again, Mr. Friendly. And you're on the air everywhere. Without a doubt, Kyle, but we are here for you during this very difficult time here, but really into the world of the NBA. I've been critical of Giannis. I don't know about your opinions of him. I call him the fro- Greek frozen yogurt because he basically freezes up in the playoffs. Glad I got to ask you, based on how this series is going right now, it's two to one Nets. If Giannis loses this series, will this hurt his legacy and how people view him as a top player in the NBA? I don't think it's going to change the perception of his reputation from a long term perspective. And first of all, Mr. McClurg, appreciate you, man. I love what you're doing out there. You're the man. Keep up the great work. I am following you on social media and I'm very proud of you. But as far as Giannis is concerned, I, I he wasn't really set up to succeed here in Milwaukee. We expect these grand things to come from him. But is Chris Middleton really a true number two guy in a championship caliber team? I, I, I don't think so. Maybe, John, you have more intel than I do on this because Giannis can't do everybody's job. And... The free throw issue is a problem. You know, you hear sports radio talking about he's just not dialed in from downtown as well. And then the pressure of of Coach Budenholzer. I I think that if they don't win this series, he's probably gone as well, which is sort of like a fall guy here. But I, I wonder if the fallout turns into Giannis rethinking a strategy of going and staying with Milwaukee long-term because there's a lot of societal pressure to, to join up with other guys and, and create these super teams. And when you hear in the back of your head, I can't do this or because I'll tell you what, and you know this, John athletes will claim they don't listen to the outside noise. They will claim they don't read social media. They are all lying. Every single one of them is a darn liar. They are all paying attention to it. They really care about their self-image. And for Giannis, a loss in this series might send him back and he might reconsider a long-term stay in Milwaukee. You're without a doubt, man. I mean, you look at KD having multiple burner accounts over the years <laughs> and having a potential exchange with a certain rap report person ever in the sports media world. Yes, I am a Giannis hater, but Chris Middleton, I mean, I understand, like, talk about the Nets. And this is the reason why I, I'm frustrated with the NBA, Brian. Is that I understand you talk about super teams. Maybe I'm, people can say I'm a boomer or anything else, even though I'm only 23. Super teams, I feel like, don't for or maybe other friends out there kind of they ruin the excitement of the NBA because you don't have that challenge anymore. You just have Blake Griffin. We know that uh, yeah, they're probably going to win the championship or this pretty considered this year. That's maybe why some people like are like the NFL or NCAA college football because you can't like uh, yeah, you can recruit, but the NFL there isn't any super teams. But 
do you see am I crazy or wrong to be a what I call a Giannis hater? I know Stephen Gillespie, people that I've talked to, they they say I'm a Giannis hater, but in my opinion, yes, if you don't get it done, then I don't want to hear anything but you've been elite. But you do make a good point though. I mean, Chris Middleton, I think Giannis probably one of those guys where he wouldn't want to join a super team because I think that would definitely change his legacy. Yeah, I think it would taint his image. I don't think you're necessarily a hater. I think you could kind of be a realist here because you're being real. Like, unless he gets the job done, a guy who's won the MVP award yet to win a championship, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, and nothing has happened and transpired. So I don't think you're off base, John, to say that he just can't get the job done and you're not a big fan of him because he is – he has an exciting story. He has an, an inspiring story. And what I hear people really gravitating towards in the NBA are the backgrounds and the stories of, of these players and where they come from. And, and that is all wonderful. But when you're in a small market, you don't really have the supporting cast around you. And you, you, you as you get older, I know Giannis is still pretty young, but as you get older, there, it's, it's, there becomes a time where you're like, how much longer can I suffer through another year where I don't win a title and all I'm doing is hearing it? You know, like Phil Mickelson, for a long time, was known as the best golfer to never win a title or never win a, a Grand Slam or never win a major, if you will. And that stuff sits on guys. That stuff haunts guys. And you do whatever you can to, to try to turn that around. And I think that like Phil did – Giannis is going to have to do something here because unless they bring in a bunch of different people, he's got to move. He's definitely got to move. Repetition, repetition. I speak like small market teams. What do you like, think is like the key? Because they should talk about the sense. They got some players. They got Chris Paul. What do you think is the disadvantage I guess, about being a small market team and how can that really change? Because Giannis, uh, Chris Milton, but how would you, of course, be in the industry, how – what, how would Milwaukee attract certain players to come to Milwaukee despite maybe the market not being as big as like New York or other teams in the past? Well, that's a great point. And I don't think you can ever totally solve that issue because, sure, you can be Giannis and you can be Chris Paul and operate in a small market. You're still going to have advertisements and endorsement deals. I don't think that's an issue. But there are other opportunities that are going to come your way from a financial standpoint, like why LeBron James, he didn't just come to L.A. to be a Laker. He came to L.A. because he knew that a guy who wants to get into the movie making industry and he's all about entertainment, he knew that that would have been a very sound financial decision for him, not just in the respects of basketball, but in the full spectrum of how he can make money. And there just aren't those opportunities for guys. With every single NBA player now seemingly getting a podcast and getting exposure, from a media standpoint, there are just more eyeballs in certain markets than others just based upon composition or, excuse me, of consumption of these podcasts. And you want to have a voice. You want more people to listen to you. You want people to know about you. You want people to show up to your games. You want a higher density of people to watch your games on television. You got to be around 
a major metropolitan area because you are going to be there. While you might have endorsement deals, no matter where you are, there are going to be a lot of other ideas, a lot of other money-making things that'll be thrown your way that you miss if you're not in one of those established major cities in this country. Talk about small markets and criticisms, but this thought just came to my head. Why do you think you talk about super teams and players joining super teams in the NBA? Why do you think maybe that's not as criticized like in the National Football League? Because National League is kind of praised, but in the NBA, it's like it's a players' league. Do you think maybe that's why it's more criticized in the NBA because it's a players' league versus the NFL? Or what are so your thoughts on that? I think it's more criticized in the NBA because it works in the NBA. And there's a jealousy and an envy there. And I don't think it works in the NFL as well because there are too many moving parts. I think at times we've seen teams try to create these all-star teams. I think that the old Washington football team, they used to get all these really high free agents, spend a lot of money on them, and it, it never really panned out in the win column. There's just too many moving parts. Too many things have to work together where you really don't succeed necessarily with a, a a super team. Let's be honest, with all those years with Tom Brady and the Patriots, how many of those guys, uh, maybe Julian Edelman, but I don't really know if he's a Hall of Famer. That That's, a, that's another discussion. But you think about it. You know, he had some good guys on the defensive side. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think any one of his supporting cast uh, running backs – over his career, are they're going into the Hall of Fame? Like he had some pretty decent pass catchers, but Hall of Fame worthy? I, I don't necessarily know. So it's 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 about more cohesion than super team in the NFL. And unfortunately, here's the thing with super teams in the NBA: they're great when everybody's healthy, but what we saw is that the injuries were piling on with teams and when you're so top heavy everything unravels you saw the lakers with you know the two mega stars there and anthony davis leaves he deals with that injury and the lakers are susceptible to be being beat by anybody and we saw that in the playoffs especially when you talk about loyalty but i think it's a cap situation i think that's maybe the biggest thing here is cap in the nfl is different most of the Red Bucks, like you said, for the New England Patriots, were drafted by other teams. Rick Birdhead wasn't drafted by New England. Yeah, Michelle was drafted out of Georgia with other teams. And you have LeGarrion Blunt, who was actually drafted by Tampa Bay. So I think maybe the cap situation could maybe be a differ. But uh, kind of talking about loyalty, the word loyalty in sports doesn't exist anymore. Definitely agree, my man. I'd rather see a player like Giannis go on the route of Tony Jen and stay Tony. loyal to a city and try to win a title there rather than move on to a super team. Couldn't agree more. Maybe I'm loony, but I take loyalty to a team over chasing championships, but couldn't agree on that one anymore. But uh, Trevor Williams, for the MS6, that's kind of question to you. Uh, Brian, if Giannis leaves the Milwaukee Bucks, what would be a good fit for him? What would be? That's a great question because he would have to have a lot of supporting cast around him. Could you imagine? And I know this has been discussed a lot, John. Could you imagine? Imagine him on the Warriors with Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Stephen Curry. Like how nasty 
that team would be. I, I, I don't – LeBron, is it, he's a hard person to play with for a lot of different standpoints. And I don't think enough is discussed. Like, he's really hard on his teammates. He expects a lot. Here's one thing, and this is sort of a side note that I wanted to bring up to you about LeBron, is that – he has a lot of say on personnel, right? In the roster, you know, he basically exiled a bunch of the, when he first got to the Lakers, there were a lot of guys that he wasn't really happy with on the team and he tries to exile them and he wants control. He wants his guys. And when you saw the way the Lakers season ended this year, I think we need to rethink and revisit how much power LeBron James has over the roster. We also know which isn't being talked enough about, a lot of guys just can't put up with LeBron James, and a lot of stars can't. Sure, maybe they're cordial when it, it's not a, a basketball-related matter and they're out hanging out or whatnot in the offseason, but I can't see Giannis with the Lakers if LeBron is there. That's not going to work out. And I, gosh, how about how about putting him with Luka? How about putting Giannis and Luca together? Love that would it. be fantastic. Yeah. Definitely can agree with that one. This is where I think people, like, for some reason, like you talk about LeBron, there's always an excuse for LeBron. I think that's where I'm frustrated with the NBA. I want to watch for it. I just don't understand, like, the favoritism or excuses. When LeBron throws a temper tantrum, I was like, is LeBron sponsored by Huggies? Because he just had, like, a crappy attitude in game five. Like, how are you, like, throwing a temper tantrum? Regardless if you lose by 80 or 90 or if it doesn't go your way, you can't be throwing a temper tantrum. But as far as I know, unless I'm not doing the research, nobody talked about it because it's LeBron. It's like LeBron, this is why I, I guess I'm frustrated with the NBA. Like you mentioned, LeBron, no player should have that much control over an organization. It's whether I'm not saying he has ego or pride, but there may be some his ego or pride that has been forced on the organization. And, you let LeBron do his thing. This is not well, – last time I checked, this is not the Los Angeles LeBron. This is the Los Angeles Lakers, and that's where I think people can be frustrated with LeBron because, yeah, he'd be a cool guy to hang out with off the court. But for him to have that much control, that's I don't think that's fair. But I definitely could be frustrated – not yourself, but others that maybe don't criticize LeBron for – really, I don't understand why. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think he gets – enough criticism from the NBA blue check mark elite because they want to preserve a decent talking relationship with them. And in the, in the business of media, it's a slippery slope because are you going to be the one that asks the tough questions, which doesn't always run parallel to being buddy, buddy with the player. And so do you want to be buddy, buddy with the player or are you going to ask the hard questions and it's very hard for people and they sort of have to pick sides here which way they want to go and most like it was literally I had it described to me John when LeBron had his press conference when he came to Los Angeles and joined the Lakers that the room of that media press conference was like all of the media personnel that were there were basically holding up Laker foam fingers I mean I mean it was literally from a a metaphorical perspective because of the questions they were asking. It, it, it was so unprofessional because it was like their eyes were like, just, Oh my gosh, their jaws were dropping. It was like anything LeBron said, what was the best thing that's ever been said. And so how can you act that way and also keep athletes accountable? It's not 
happening a lot of the times. He gets a pass, like you said. He has said some things over the years where he's had to retract, where he sometimes thinks emotionally and does and acts in certain ways where he then has to come back and say, you know what, that's probably not a good idea. And he doesn't really have people holding him accountable from that respect. And he's not taking a lot of the blame for this Lakers letdown in the postseason. He uh, always blaming somebody else, you know, uh, and it gets old. I, I have been a Clipper fan, John, for a long time. And I know fan and Clipper, they actually do go together and there are fans out there. It's a, it's a silent group, but I, I just think that LeBron First of all, it would be impossible for him to give up any powder or power in the, the Lakers front office as far as his control because you want to satisfy him. You don't want to create undue riff inside the franchise because you don't want to make LeBron happy because then everything just tumbles down like a house of cards. And so that's a really hard situation to deal with here. But I, I, if the Lakers really want to take control, they have to be able to to divvy up the responsibilities a little better. And I would be more willing to support LeBron as a basketball player if he were to take more responsibility for his actions on the court at times, which makes him more human. Like you were talking about at the beginning, we are all human. We make mistakes. People find themselves more appealing to others when they admit, look, I'm not perfect. We become just more endearing to people. And I think that if LeBron had a little bit of a hum, more humble outlook on, on things sometimes, he, he would even grow his fan base more. It's funny how he used to work with kids. We always talk about them. Accountability. When you make a mistake, come to us and we can work on it here. And it's funny how we always teach our kids those things. And like, like my parents have taught me, but that's the problem is they're treating LeBron like a God. We're all humans here. We all think we all say lack of a word word things that I shouldn't have said in the past. If you do me, you would be like, uh Oh, but the fact like they treat LeBron like a god here, that to me, I think that's what bothers me because it, it doesn't create genuine relationships. That's why when I talk to guys like you, I can see you know, like a friend. I don't treat them like, oh, my gosh, look at his position at Fox Sports. That's not what matters. That's great. You do an awesome job. Yeah. But I see that more as, as a friendship opportunity versus anything else. And that's where I think maybe certain media members and Maybe just in certain sports have that kind of mistake that could definitely be frustrating. Callens says it works better in basketball, maybe baseball, talking about super teams because the seasons are so long, 82 games and 162 games. If you have time to work out the kinks, you get the team chemistry. I know you have months of prep for football, which is the best sport on the planet, but 18 weeks doesn't provide enough time, minus the Bucks last season. Christian Wilson to our comment about super teams. He says the Miami heat, maybe, maybe not for a uh, Giannis. If somehow he does leave, but uh, a reminder here, folks, if y'all have any uh, prayer requests or anything, you can text the uh, WhatsApp number 281-675-5081 or email the God over Monday sports network at gmail.com. These are private. Nobody's going to know about it. If anybody tries to talk about anybody else, they will be fired immediately. Cause this is a very, Serious thing here, but switching to another sport, though, the best sport, in my opinion, on the planet, the NFL. 
the Atlanta Falcons now made the trade, Brian, to Holy Jones to the Tennessee Titans. What were most so thoughts on this trade, or does this really help the Tennessee Titans Super Bowl chances next year? Here's the thing. I think A.J. Brown was huge behind this because it is no secret, John. A.J. Brown has a huge man crush on Julio Jones. And if you haven't followed A.J. Brown on social media recently and seen some of his posts, it is very clear that A.J. Brown has emulated his game after Julio Jones ever since A.J. was a kid. And I actually watched A.J. when he was in college at Ole Miss. I covered him. And you talk about a star. You talk about a guy as a freshman in college was built like an NFL player already. But I'm excited to see the the chemistry between these two guys. And all I hear is that he's 32 years old, but he still has some good years in him. If he can stay healthy, if Julio Jones can stay healthy and work in tandem with A.J. Brown with Tannehill there, and all those guys stay healthy with Derrick Henry. It all sounds wonderful on paper, but the Titans at times, you know, they they have swung and missed on some of these 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 free agents or or guys who they've brought in from other teams. And I just think that AJ Brown might be the best thing that ever happened to Julio in resurrecting his career. Without uh, AJ Brown is a lot of fun to to watch on social media. He, here's the problem. This is what I tell. This is empty calorie stats, and that's kind of what I see Julio Tennessee. We know Julio's story. We know, um, of course, A.J. Brown, again, the phenomenal Titans receiver. But I think the problem is we have something called gluttony, and that's kind of what I feel like Tennessee is doing at the receiver position. The problem is, you know, in sports, something called bread and butter. Their bread and butter is Derrick Henry running the football, but when they stop Derrick Henry, this offense provides something like butter pecan ice cream for some people. It doesn't add any value. It gives no flavor. So my like, kind of thought or question is, how do we see – how does that change the Tennessee Times next year despite their bread and butter being Derrick Henry running the football? That's a great question. And going off a point that I was saying earlier, the Titans have tried to – to dig deep into their piggy bank and, and bring in guys like Jadavian Clowney, that did not work at all. At all, That was an experiment that did not work. So the Titans are a team that are not afraid to dig into that pool of money to, to make a splash here. But as far as how it changes up the offense, I, I think that Derrick Henry is going to be the number one here. I think that that's no surprise that they're going to want to establish the run game first and foremost. But with not just A.J. Brown, but also Julio Jones, I think that you're going to obviously draw a lot of attention from the defense, and those running lanes are going to be that much bigger for Derrick Henry. And my biggest concern, and it's the concern of a lot of people, John, is how is Julio going to make it through a full season unscathed without injuring himself? If that can happen, it's been a little while He's been dealing with different things. And I saw, I don't know if you saw some of the video of Julio Jones from his first OTA workout with the Titans. He was moving really well, really agile, swift, and it all looks good right now. But I think it doesn't really change a whole lot, the identity of the offense, because Derrick Henry is the bell cow. He is number one. And then everybody from there is secondary to what he does with the Rock. 
with that, and, and that's the problem. If they look at paper, we can look at the grounds. I just, I, I love Derrick Henry. I don't trust Ryan Tannehill to run that type of offense, and that you voice those concerns. Are we going to get 2018 Holy Jones or 2019 Holy Jones? Because 2020 Holy Jones, health concerns, the yards were down. In his early days, he was a dog. Is the guy that I love to have in fantasy football. And Cal McCord talks about, we talk about with the LeBron situation. I don't think many Laker fans have fully embraced him as a Laker. Reason being, they feel LeBron would be tarnishing Kobe's legacy without a doubt. That's why I want to watch more basketball and to learn more about it because learn different sports. It's just when we teach the kids they used to work with accountability and then they watch guys like LeBron who does great things off the field, but on the court, isn't held accountable. That's where I think some people may get discouraged with the NBA. But uh, one last thing, man, before I let you go, Eric Eager came out with the best offensive play callers list. And I, I know my thoughts on that. I know I'm very vocal when I disagree on a certain football thing, as many people know. He had Matt LaFleur, number one. Okay. I, I call him Matt LaPoo. Number two, Brian Ball. Number three, Andy Reid. Okay, a little bit higher, but not too bad. And then this one, I really thought this was on SNL when he said this. John Gruden. John Gruden? Uh, I don't know who Eric Eager is. Nothing but respect for him. I guess somewhere in the sports world or CBS, who knows, then Joe Brady and Brian Leftwich. But your kind of thoughts on that and uh, who would you take off this list, reorder, restack, or how would you feel about that that list? Yeah, I think John Gruden's a little bit high. Also, think about those first three teams that you mentioned and how much of it was just the pure skill of the quarterback and how that might actually be a little bit more of the reason why they make the the offensive scheme look so good. Because does LaFleur look anything like what he has? Does he have the reputation? If... Honestly, if if you didn't have Aaron Rodgers playing at his level, and then for Patrick Mahomes, he's a generational talent. We've not seen anything like him before. So I think I think in the NFL, coaches get too much credit. Because and and I think a lot in pro, in pro sports, I think that. Because I think it's more based upon the talent you have, especially in college football. Nick Saban gets way too much credit for his skills as an in-game coach. Okay, it's not about that. He's the best recruiter. He gets the best talent. Talent in college football trumps out-scheming a team. Like, if you don't have the guys, if you don't have the horses, the talent, the five stars, you even if you try to out-scheme the team, it's very unlikely that you're going to win. But I think talent precedes anything, or supersedes, I should say, anything that a coach is concerned. And I honestly, I'm really excited to see what the Chargers do on the offensive end with Justin Herbert in year two. That is it that that is sort of a system that I think people know that it's on the rise, but I don't think yet people know how good that LA Charger 
offense could actually end up being. I really held the Chargers go 0-17. Justin Herbert throws 30,000 interceptions as a Broncos fan, but definitely know his development. You speak about credit here. I, I don't know. I don't know Eric Eager, so I'm not, I don't have anything. It will get somebody left more respect for everybody in all the industries. But I say Matt LaPou because you talk about credit or not credit. He had the 26th-ranked offense with Tennessee with Marcus Mariota. And then what, what does Green Bay do? They bring him over with Aaron Rodgers. He has to go 13 and 3, 13 and 3. But I don't have heard of this. I call him Cant Cousins for a reason. He is not a starting franchise quarterback. He's just slightly above average Philip Rivers. I just I don't see anything in him. But people say, oh, maybe I'm a hater. But my list, though, maybe I'm crazy. Brian Leftwich, they just won the Super Bowl here. So I don't know what this list was thinking about. Andy Reid, even though anything Chiefs wise makes me want to hurl and throw up because I'm a Broncos fan. Brian Duvall, and maybe this one's crazy. I need to uh, go back to bed or something, but maybe in the future after this year, maybe Cameron Stefanski. I don't know, but uh, yeah. count, uh, Brian, we have a, they had a thing on MS6 Sports Center called a song called The Chargers Lose Again. So it counts with the when they started singing The Chargers Lose Again. And I would definitely love to sing that next year. Well, I think Callen would as well. As he's a San Diegan like myself and having fandom for the Chargers ever since they moved and they they stiffed Charger fans in San Diego and said, hey, we're, we'll see you later. We're heading the other direction. We're going up north. And they're not even owners of this new stadium that they're in. So it once again shows just how they're never going to be what they think they are. I think that they always perceive themselves wanting to be something and they're always going to fall short. Without it, I can understand the frustration here, but anytime a Charger does terrible, it brings such joy to my eyes. It's like Christmas morning, and I'm talking to the uh, Denver police to arrest uh, John Elliott for pretending to be an owner of the Denver Broncos here because uh, he made a terrible decision in the NFL draft. But, folks, before we go, uh, let's go into tonight's final thoughts. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Do you have any uh, thing you're working on or special content or anything else at the moment? Man, I just encourage everybody to follow John and myself on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. I, I love telling stories. You do as well, John. Interviewing is so much fun. I love to bring on sports media stars from different networks, even athletes, college football players coaches you name it man we have a lot of fun i encourage everybody to check out my twitter also your twitter your instagram as well those interviews are sliding in seemingly almost every day john i'm seeing the content you're putting on and so yeah i just encourage people for uplifting content check me out check you out as well you're doing a great job man i'm proud of you and i appreciate you having me so that man begin, folks, is Brian Finley, Twitter and Instagram at Brian Finley. But before we go, Colin has a question for you. Has there been any updates about the Chargers ownership? That is a great question, and I don't know off the top of my head where they are with that, but I could certainly do some research. And how about this? Next time you have me on, mm -hmm. John, Callan, I'll have an answer for you. How about that? Without a doubt, man, we'll do that soon. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for coming on and uh You'll be hearing me uh, maybe ranting in a week or two if a certain owner of a certain team doesn't
get Aaron Rodgers. But again, Brian and Finley on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, let's do this again. And uh, let's talk some more football. You got it, John. Really looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. And keep up the great work, my man. Keep yeah. keep fighting. Keep grinding. And I look forward to seeing how your future success unfolds. Sounds good to you too, my man. Thank you. I don't know if I've seen someone with someone someone with the drive and passion. He's a rising star in this industry. He knows his stuff. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to go at people. And how did you get blocked by LeBron James on Twitter? Talking about, you know, wanting to inspire and, and like, I'm inspired right now. I want to run through a brick wall for you right now. I Cutthroat. It's very, you know, up and down roller coaster of emotion. God put me in a position 